Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, Kirk Lowe and I are going to jump into kind of an epiphany that we had a little while ago, which is, are your webinars full of fans or skeptics? And we're going to talk a little bit about what the difference between a fan and a skeptic is and how you can convert a skeptic to a fan. But Kirk, as always, I'd like to find out what do you mean by these two things? And let's get some definitions going. Absolutely. You know, this actually came to us as a, as a concept like everything does, to be honest, which is when a client asks us a question or a prospect or we see something out in the world that just doesn't seem right or feels like we can improve upon or we can just answer. And this came to us from a, a prospective client, actually, who was moving, had moved their practice from seminars to doing webinars with everything going on with COVID, which makes perfect sense. However, there's a lot of differences between doing a webinar and doing a seminar. And I'm not even sure the people, way people did do seminars is really how you want to do seminars going forward. But we're not going to get into that today. We're going to just talk about the difference between whether or not you want to have a fan showing up or a skeptic showing up to your webinar. So that's really why you should care. So I'm going to describe what a fan is. And then basically the opposite of that is what a skeptic might be. <laughs> so a fan knows your work, your ideas, and you. And if you want somebody like that showing up who already knows those things to a webinar, I can imagine you can figure out that that's a good thing. A fan understands who you help and who you don't help. Pre-qualifying, geez, that sounds like a good thing too. I'm in sarcastic mode early in the podcast today, everybody. It's good downhill from here, brother. Yeah, I know. A fan knows the level of professionalism you execute your work with. If you have a nice list like we have prepared here today, that's going to bode well for you creating credibility, showcasing your professionalism. A fan knows where to learn more about you, knows how to introduce you. Those are huge uh, factors in determining what's going to be next. Are they going to invite other people they know to your webinar or to your podcast or to your blog? Watch this video. Fans talk about you. Skeptics don't. A fan understands what you actually do for people versus what they perceive an advisor does or what they've experienced. So if, if people's worldview is that they go into their financial advisor's office and they talk about investments for 20 minutes, talk about their talk about golf for the other 10 minutes, and then they're out the door. If that's their experience with financial planning and you're way different than that, how are you going to change that worldview before they come to your webinar? Do you have any kind of communication system or education system to do that? Or are you just hoping to convert them in a 40-minute presentation? I'm going to tell you, that's a leading question. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that you can't convert them, typically. I say that that happens a little bit more. There's a little more possibility, given human dynamics or human behavior, to achieve that in a group setting because of the group dynamic, right? And group think and peer pressure. Oh, look, you know, people are asking questions or people are, you know, there's other people here that are attentive. That doesn't happen in webinars, which is one of the reasons why people want to do live events is they can create that dynamic. 
But the reality is that dynamic has a, a life cycle, if you will, and it's typically very short. In other words, once they leave that event, they may you lose that dynamic very quickly, if that makes sense. This isn't something I thought of before I started talking, but it's kind of coming to me as we go here, which is one of the wonderful things about a podcast is you're free to go off script. Uh, a fan has a richer worldview of what you and good advisors do in general, and now you have a chance to establish that um, before they come to a webinar. It'd be nice to be able to choose that because a fan knows that already. Now, if you're doing a webinar every two weeks and they're more educational, then that could be a mechanism to eventually build these kind of relationships. A fan has experienced your professionalism and personality and knows whether your communication style and, and your style of how, you, um, uh, of how you work and operate will suit them, right? And, and you with them. They may realize that you may think, wow, they'd be really great to work with, but I don't think I'm a good fit for them. Those are all good things to communicate. And a fan will contact you when they're ready. So you don't have to push them or find sales tactics to try to trick them into saying yes sooner. There are things, education and feeling good about you will actually get them to move quicker than you think. One of the interesting outcomes of people that are, are podcasting that we're hearing from is that it's shortening the sales cycle, especially with sophisticated clients. So wealthy, ultra high net worth, uh, high net worth, ultra high net worth clients are moving forward more quickly because now they understand the different Right. I said a little bit earlier that they have a worldview of what financial advice should be. And if you're different, more comprehensive, have a, have a niche expertise, when you share that and you educate them on it, when they're ready to buy, they're going to move a lot quicker. If that makes sense. A skeptic is really the opposite of all those things. I won't spend, you know, waste your time going through the opposite, but they don't know all these things about you. And if those are the pe those are typically the people that are showing up to seminars and on webinars, typically. Well, you've got to do so that, much more work, right? I mean, that's the kicker. Yeah. <clears throat> when they're a skeptic, you, you have to do all of those wonderful sales techniques. But when they do become a fan, and if they're a fan before they get on that webinar or go to your seminar or anything like that, they already feel, and I love that you said that, they've experienced your professionalism. They've experienced who you are. They already have felt your presence by using some of the techniques that we're going to talk about. So Let's switch gears, brother. So how, how do we do this? What, how do we turn somebody into a fan before they really ever, ever have a personal interaction with you? So I had a lot of points written here. And I started realizing that the points really come down to two. And I'm going to branch off of those. And this is actually a lesson. I'm going on a tangent here. This is a lesson on how you create an outline for a podcast is you brainstorm and then you organize. Brainstorm, organize. Never try to organize while you're brainstorming. Dump everything out and then it'll start coming to you. So I had probably 15 points and I really created two from them, which end up being categories. So here's the two main points. The first one is that if you want to fill your webinars or have your webinars full of fans versus skeptics, is you want to market like a big company. Think about that. So here's how big companies market that, that's different from how most advisors or RIAs market, in my opinion, in my experience, is that they have the right mindset. They have a mindset that is long-term focused and they're trying to create synergy. So I call that they integrate and synergize all their marketing campaigns. It's much more typical for financial advisors and RIAs to think of a tactic and to run with that tactic. That is our tactic. We're going to run with it instead of saying, thinking, Hmm, how can we create 
synergy in a number of tactics that will work really well together and build off of each other. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's it's not it's less a part of the motivation or or how the ideas about their strategy came to fruition. So think like a bigger company. How is this all going to work together? How are we going to create synergy? How are we going to integrate different things that we do together and create more more momentum? Now, when you're thinking like a big company and you're challenging our listeners to think like a big company, what sort of time frames? Like, so if if, if a Nike is going to roll out something new, in your experience as a brand and marketing expert, you know, what sort of time frame do they put on that? Do they say, ah, oh, you know what, we're going to launch this and we're going to see results in three months, or are we going to see results in six months? What what do you believe as a big company with the right marketing mindset? Let let's put some time frames on that. That's an, an excellent question. The truth is, is that big companies they break everything down. So they have a, uh, they probably have a, this is what we want in three months. This is what we want to do in six months. We're going to have a 12 month plan. We're going to have a two year plan and we're going to have a five year plan and we're going to have a, a lifetime plan for everything that we're doing. And they bring it all together. And, and, and if you're thinking this industry is more, look, works on 90 day cycles, if that's fair. I mean, some, some advisors I know say, well, I got to get a brand. You know, I, I, I know that'll last me for years down the road. I'm thinking long term. But there's a lot of people who invest in a brand very modestly or cheaply and don't get what they really need. But the truth is, if you really do a great job, that's going to that should have an impact for at least five to ten years for you down the road. How often does that thinking happen? Uh, I'm not sure. We had an advisor the other day who came to us who is thinking about the legacy of his practice because his son is finishing university. He wants to take over the dad's business, and he's thinking about you know I need to start thinking about building something bigger and better so that my kid takes it over, it's going to be humming along because he said, I've had success based on all my networks and all that. And I don't want to wait for him to have that. I want him to have a different system of how to grow this business. I thought it was a wonderful gesture uh, for this advisor who I suspect is probably around 50 to 55 years old thinking about his kid coming in. So that, that was really neat. Anyhow, the idea is that you want to think about short, mid, and long-term marketing and bring it all together. So how do you do that? And and how you do that is you have a strategy and then you have a plan and they're different. The strategy is how does everything work together? Can we meet the short, mid and long-term marketing outcomes, right? If you're just doing short-term stuff, you're always going to be in that short-term and short-term is more typically stuff that's going to change more frequently, if that makes sense. So you're going to be constantly relearning. There's going to be a lot of trial and error and short-term stuff, in my opinion, is often much more expensive. Well, and having said that, your, your team yeah. crazy too, right? When you're continuously oh, yeah. switching your, your marketing techniques and it also doesn't gain any sort of momentum. You know, we talk a lot about momentum marketing and, you know, the fits and starts doesn't allow you to really get into stride and get good at anything either, does it? Absolutely. So short-term marketing is typically sunk marketing, which means that when it's done, when the campaign or the event is over, the value of that particular marketing focus is typically nil going forward, right? So you need, that's why people who do seminar marketing are always searching for that perfect nurture sequence. The truth is, is that nurture sequence is almost always an afterthought. It's like, oh, we have all these people we never talked to. And then they're trying to fix it and fill it in. The, the nurture and the other stuff, maybe that's that should have been the first thing you do. See it, it and how do you integrate them? And how, so that needs to be part of the strategy. What are we going to do mid, short, mid, long term? And how do they all work together? If you've got tactics that don't complement each other, 
then you're not, you don't have the best tactics, right? Mm -hmm. You got to think about that. So, and sometimes that helps you evolve your, how you think about marketing too. Let me give you an example. If you've had, or really comfortable with, and have a lot of success with print marketing as an example, but you're noticing that the people are coming to your events as an example, you're starting to realize that they're skeptics, not fans, and they're causing, there's a lot of qualifying that needs to happen within your team and it's causing a lot of angst and, and you're spending, your team is spending a lot of time organizing these. Why not change from time to time the dynamic? Why not use a postcard to have more podcast listeners? You guys are used to the fact that we talk about podcasting all day long. We even, you know, mumble it in our sleeps, I'm sure. <laughs> but when you're, when you use it, so what, what could happen there? What's wrong with getting a whole bunch of people to start listening to a podcast that's going to create fans versus skeptics? Sounds like a pretty good idea. Is it expensive to send out a postcard? No, right? It's, I mean, it's not. So there's interest. Think about ways that you can integrate this stuff. And then what happens then now they're listening to your podcast and maybe you can send out another postcard that makes sure that they know that you're on LinkedIn and how to reach you there and what you share there and why you want them to connect there. And then you can invite them to your webinars from LinkedIn as an example, or uh, send out a uh, postcard about a white paper that they can easily access on your website. And if they want an audio version, you've recorded that too. you know, have some fun, do some interesting things. And then connect those, build a following. So you've either got their email address, you're connected with them on Facebook or, or LinkedIn. Now you can start sending, pushing out that stuff. We have a webinar coming up, promote that through your digital mechanisms. doesn't mean you can't still push it through postcards. And then, you know, from time to time, convert all that into an event with fans. And if the fans want to bring other people with them, you know, you can, you can introduce them to what you're doing. Then when they come back from that event, they'll start, you know, you want to make sure they're hooked up and know about your podcast, your videos, your blog, stuff like that. So think about all those opportunities to integrate because then you're making the most of every opportunity that comes your way. Well, so a strategy so is really the why and the what. Okay. So, so in, in part of the what too, and I just wanted to add something that you had there, you know, a lot of the people who are doing webinars are doing very, very strong Facebook ads. And once somebody signs up for your webinar, that's really when this integration, the synergy that Kirk's talking about really kicks in. So, you know, four weeks before the webinar, you know, they, they click on the Facebook ad. And by the way, there's tracking that if they clicked on it and didn't sign up that you can still trickle it on them. But let's say they signed up for them. You have their contact information that that is when you should start building this momentum with them being fans. And then if they, you know, if they do come to the webinar, then you have a nurture sequence. If they don't come to the webinar, you have a nurture sequence or a drip sequence, because I don't think people understand that, you know, you can nurture people after the fact, you don't always have to nurture them on the front end. Yes. And I realize that there's different levels of sophisticated marketers, like listening or advisors, there are different levels of sophistication of their marketing knowledge and, and, and what they do. And if you want to get more sophisticated here, if you're running ads on like Google, or if you're uh, running some uh, LinkedIn ads, as an example, maybe you're running one of their conversation ads, which is a new thing that they have, and you want to introduce them to your podcast, right? That's a good idea. So think about ways that you can leverage what you're doing, whether it's digital or print or whatever it is to bring them to other stuff that you're doing. Don't like leverage everything you have in one place and make the most of it, if that makes sense. Does. Now, challenging people to think like a large company, a big company is, is hard because that's not how a lot of advisors view themselves. So let's 
pivot to where a lot of our clients are who use us for the podcasting and micro-influencer service, which is thinking more like they are a small company, but you can think like a small company and still have great success. Can you dive into that? Yeah, well, I did miss something on the big part, which is I said you have to have a strategy and a plan, so I'm sorry I went on and on, and you're probably just trying to move me forward, but I don't want to skip this, so I will answer the second part, which is to market like a small company. But once you get that strategy, which is the what, the why and the what, you have to create a plan, which is what you're going to do in the next 90 days or the next 12 months. And that's really, you know, what needs to be done? How, how is it going to be done? Who needs to get it done? When do they need to get done? And, and in what order? And those things, that's where your, your plan starts to, you know, you got a plan to create um, fans versus skeptics, right? And a plan to spend more time creating fans to embrace your marketing. So that's a really important thing. And we use that a lot at Top Advisor Marketing uh, when we market. So most of our marketing for our webinars is through to people that we're already connected with and typically are people who have already experienced us. So we already know them when they come. Uh, it does help us add new people to the list as well, but we do talk a lot. Uh, our focus first on our webinars is typically educational. And secondly, we always talk about other things that we're doing so that they can connect with us there. Mm -hmm. So marketing like a small company is really the second point. So you got to think about the, the, the right mindset again here is, well, even though we're thinking like a big company, which is great, we still, the reality is we are a small company. So we got to find the most effective and efficient tools we can. Sometimes larger companies, because of their economies of scale, can make things that aren't efficient, cost-effective for a smaller company. They can make them cost-effective because of how much you know, because of economies of scale, right? So we have to think differently and things might not, we may not be able to do the same things, but we can find other things that are more efficient and effective and, and leverage those. We also have to budget for consistency, which is really important because we're small. So if we, if we go and create this strategy and this plan that are, oh man, if I, we can do this, we're going to, we're going to take over our, our niche and, and our region. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be rock stars. But then you realize, you know, uh, six months in that you you over cash flowed this and then you're you got a problem because you got to start pulling back and that never looks good it never feels good for your company for you and never looks good to your audience so budget for consistency what can we consistently do and try to build a foundation that you know is going to build over the years right you don't have to do everything up front we talk about this fairly consistently ourselves which is plan for what you can actually implement and then grow from there but do the right kinds of activities right short mid and long term execute first and precision second that's really important for small companies to remember big companies are more likely to spend more time getting it precise because of the ramifications of them making mistakes but for smaller companies, we have to get this stuff out the door. You still want to have layers of precision in place, quality control, things like that. We do that here at Top Advisor Marketing. We have a quality control person who sees everything that goes out, and her name's Jessica. She does an amazing job. But you need to figure out who that person is in your office and try to get stuff cleaned up and, and to meet a certain level. But you most importantly, you need to get it out the door. So think about that. You also need to find the right people. Right. So we realize even as a marketing company, we can't be great at all things marketing, which happens all the time to marketing companies. They're really good at a couple things. They're not good at everything. And so we find people from time to time that come in to make us better. So right now we're working with an email marketing expert who's building us way better funnels than we had. We had good stuff. She's taken it to a whole other level. And we're pretty excited about that sometimes. And when you find the right people, 
they will make your life so much easier in other parts. So that's finding the right tools. So I was spending all kinds of time researching a new CRM for a company and it was consuming hours and hours. And then I realized when we had hired this person, maybe I should ask them. <laughs> and they said unequivocally, here's what you need to do. Boom, boom, boom. And I, I went and researched. I didn't take me long. All the points that she had said, and she was hundred percent right. She was bang on with everything. And, the, and, and in fact, when I started looking into this tool, I, I was blown away with how perfect it was. The price was way better than a lot of other ones. It, I was just, it was amazing. And so I was really excited about that. So that's what happens when you think like a small company, you can't do everything. Find somebody who knows they'll save you a lot of money and they'll help whatever you do and be a lot better. You still doesn't mean you want to give up everything, but you got to figure out what you're going to keep, what you're going to give up. And that's a, a, a fine balance or a delicate balance, if you will. But it's really important to figure out how you're going to market like a big company or think like a big company, but market like a small company. So let's let's go the the onus of all of this, right? The the real reason why you and I started brainstorming this stuff was was can we dive in a little bit more deeply to when a person gets on the webinar? I know we're going to change gears, and we're actually going to do this as another podcast. But just to kind of highlight the next podcast that you and I are going to do, which is really how to successfully do a webinar, we had a client who sent us a webinar. So would you mind teeing up this next episode that you and I are going to do uh, here in a week or so, so that people know what's uh, coming down the pipeline? I mean, you, you always want to be, you always got want to give people honest feedback when they ask for your opinion. And webinars, I find there's a lot of webinars that I've experienced with financial advisors. And it's a lot, not a lot, but I see consistently see the same mistakes. And so what Matt and I are going to do is we're going to go through and help you guys avoid all those mistakes. Because those mistakes steal the amount of credibility you could have created. They have a lot of skeptics showing up to your webinars. And then look, when I have a skeptic in a sales call in a webinar, if I'm good enough to get them to take some kind of action, I will honestly say that those are typically our worst clients because they weren't bought in. They were rushed. Sometimes they have uh, buyer remorse and because they don't understand how it's all going to work. And at any little time that something didn't go perfect in the process, they're going to, you know, they're going to quickly, because they're a skeptic, they're going to jump all over that, right? You always know that when you, you have a skeptic as a new client and they were, they were sold versus uh, asked to buy or, you know what I mean? Those people will find opportunities to jump all over you when something doesn't go perfect. But if they were a fan, they don't even bat an eyelash because they, they know it, how professional you are. They already know that they're not questioning that every second and, and they, they're there. They understand that this is not a big deal right? when it happens and, and, it, and it happens, right? It's a business, especially when you've got a business with a lot of moving parts, which is a financial planning practice, right? right. So they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt anyway. So once they've, you know, that's a nice thing to have credibility and having fans gives you a lot more benefit of the doubt cards in mm -hmm. your, in your deck. So that's a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. And the, the, you know, to kind of wrap up today's podcast, the, the other piece of it is those people who are not 
fans, you have to sell them over and over and over again every single solitary time you meet. So, you know, we're, we're talking specifically about webinars here, but we're also a bigger picture talking about how do you create a fan overall so that you are going to be more referable. People are going to truly understand and embrace what you do. And if you follow, you know, the different things that Kirk just talked about, making sure that you have a plan, you know, making sure that you have a what, how, who, when, you have these things in order, you execute them, you have momentum marketing so that things can build on each other so that it's not just a one-off, what we refer to as sunk marketing. When you can start creating true momentum, you're going to start seeing a lot more fans of your business, a lot easier time to retain clients because you're going to continue to reinforce their fandom by taking things like great social media posts, you know, good events, good pieces of communication, and potentially a podcast. So Kirk, is there anything else that we want to talk about before we wrap up today? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say that when you have a when you have a podcast host who's on their game and paying attention, when they ask the other person, in this case, I'm you know acting as the expert, obviously Matt's an expert too, but when they ask a question and you don't thoroughly answer it, they can fill in and answer it for you. They make sure that it gets answered. <laughs> and I guess that I think that's what just happened is that I didn't answer the question fully. Matt took it over, took it home, and now here we're at the end. So, you know, those kind of uh, partnerships. There's a re really, there's another really great, learning lesson that you and I experienced this morning in a call that we had, which was, remember, we were doing the, we were doing the mind map for the <laughs> webinar. Yeah. And we, we had a couple of points there. And I was like, we don't, we don't do that. He's right. like, no, we should. Right. Yeah. And so we learn all the time yes. when we are doing this, we're learning. So I'm going to let you guys in on another secret, because if you've listened this far in the podcast, that means you're an avid listener and a, and a fan, and we really uh, appreciate you. So we're going to let you in on a little secret here. Matt, I didn't even tell Matt we were going to do this today. Matt and I and our entire team, quite honestly, are working on a new service and product for everybody. And we're so pumped up and I'm putting on the line here, but we are creating an online community for advisors. And our goal is to have 12 courses out of the gate that are going to help you be better at marketing with specific things and even, even the bigger picture things. And we realize that there is some help out there, but we're getting so much incredible feedback, you know, from all of you about what we're doing. We can tell that this keeps growing and we're excited about that. We would really love it if you tell even more advisors because um, we can all help each other. I know it sounds weird, but abundance is actually a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example? If you're a really good advisor and you tell other really good advisors, you're not competing with yourself. What you're doing is you're creating a, a better community of knowledge among your audience and that audience is going to appreciate more and they're going to tell more people about advisors who are organized and do the right things. So that abundance mentality actually raises all the good advisor boats in the bay. Yeah. And so we really would love it if you could share this, what we're doing with other people, our podcast, and we are working on a community that I hope is going to a really, you're going to really love it. We've got a free level. So, and then we'll have, our goal is to have three different levels and there will be a free level. And just in, in, in the spirit of how we always operate, that free level have all kinds of value. Oh yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll get lots out of it, even if it's just the free level, but we do have um, a membership level as well or a paid membership level. So, but what's really interesting is, is when we're creating all this stuff, cause we're deep into creating all this stuff. It's amazing what you learn. And I've said this before about podcasting, right, Matt, is we learn so much from having to 
create outlines for what we do all the time. And it makes us better all the time. And I'm sure you've experienced that with financial advisors when you're doing podcasts with them. So I'm asking you a question now. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely love it when an advisor will say to me, uh, and our voice talents tell us this all the time in our meetings, is, you know, I asked a advisor this question, and she came back afterwards and said, you know what, I've never thought about it that way. And that's, that is the gold of being a true, you know, what we try to strive towards, which is to be a a true professional. And I want to talk real quick, uh, just to, to wrap up the the new thing that we have coming out, we have found when, when Kirk and I partnered, one of the big things that we made a conscious decision of was we wanted to do stuff for advisors instead of telling them what to do. This academy is going to have so many great exercises where if you just do the work, you're going to have an amazing outcome. You know, there are a lot of other communities that are out there, you know, uh, practice management organizations, holistic planning, financial planning, you know, communities, but we've been finding that there really isn't one that's truly focused on marketing. And since we are the marketing guys, we figured we would bring it to you. And, you know, we interview people on this podcast all the time who are technically our competition, but We do truly believe in abundance. We don't really care if you use us. The important thing is that you truly have a marketing plan that allows you to get your voice out into the marketplace, to be your own loud, and to make it so that you are communicating the information that your uh, specific area of expertise truly needs to make wise financial decisions. Well, so if you want us to talk about anything specifically or you have any questions that you think would make a great podcast, all you have to do is email me, Matt, at topadvisorm.com. I'll be more than happy to consider whatever topics or guest ideas you have. If you have not subscribed, make sure you do. And also share this podcast because... It's not just about webinars and creating fans. It's also about just building fans of your practice. So for Kirk Lowe and everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.